Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Gara. It is Thanksgiving week. It's rivalry week. And it's the end of the regular season. That's what happens this time of year. I don't know how I feel about it. I think I feel good. I feel bad. I feel full already. But I'm excited. I'm a roller coaster of emotion. Uh, I mean, usually every week, but this week especially. But I, I mean, it's like I'm excited that... It's one of, it's my favorite holiday because you get to eat until you literally fall asleep. Um, and then you wake up and eat more. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I usually do that at least once or twice a week because I like to push myself. But, you know, this one's like a holiday. And there's football on all day. Yeah. And there's Hawaiian rolls in the house, which is always a good thing for me. Yeah. Uh, big, turn that up. big Hawaiian roll guy. We're going to talk all things rivalry week. We're going to go through a bunch of those games. We're going to talk over unders. We're going to do picks. We've got special. Uh, things that we're thankful for in the SEC. We've got fourth and wrong. We've got uh, a rivalry week edition of It Might Mean Too Much. A lot of stuff to get to today. Before we get to that, though, got to talk to got to talk to you guys about our friends over at Relic Champion. As you remember, we talked about them before, um, but they, Marla, they're they're hooking you up this weekend. They are. I'm excited. So um, this weekend, our friends at Relic Champion. Definitely, definitely hooked us up. Uh, well, not you, sadly, because you could not attend. However, I got to be in many places, man. I got to be in many places, and by many places, I mean at home on my own couch, uh, writing about like a billion different things because oh. it's easier to do that from home than it. Yeah, whatever. I'll tell you where I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, in our own little rental condo, beautiful place like we had in Oxford. Uh, but this weekend, I will be in Tuscaloosa for the Iron Bowl that. We told you about them back in September when we stayed in Oxford for the Bama Ole Miss game. It was an incredible setup. It was awesome. I got an email yesterday from uh, from Nora, and she said, hey, what kind of breakfast food do you like? Pfft. What? Top-notch service. Love it. Uh, they came through again. We will be staying in Tuscaloosa at a house thanks to Rent Like a Champion. We're staying in a three-bedroom home. Not big. Three of them, dude. Not one. Not two. Not one. Not two. That's one more than I have in this apartment right now. Can't wait. Uh, and it's only a mile and a half from the stadium. So... That's walking distance for most people. Um, that is probably an Uber ride for me. Either way, mm-hmm. very close to the stadium. Uh, you could do the same thing and get hooked up like we did. If you want to book a little last-minute rivalry, rivalry week trip or maybe plan your stay for the postseason bowl games, all you're going to do is go to rentlikeachampion.com. We seriously can't recommend them enough. We had such a blast in Oxford. I know we're going to have a blast in Tuscaloosa. It's going to be great. Don't deal with the outrageous hotel prices to stay in a one-bedroom hotel that's 15 minutes from the stadium. Rent Like a Champion is going to take care of your entire party, and you're going to wonder how you ever stayed in a hotel room. That's true. Have you ever stayed in a hotel room in Tuscaloosa? <laughs> Hard pass. And not got bed bugs? Well, yeah. That is not, not a great sight there. So all you've got to do is go to rentlikeachampion.com and see what properties they have available near your next game. Go to Rent Like a Champion, guys. You don't want to go. The only thing worse than losing to your rival is having to go back to a night's in. Ugh. Just, ugh. You know what I'm saying? It's not good. Not good. Run like a champion. Run like a champion. Do it. Uh, we, we can't recommend them enough. We're going to be doing uh, some stuff with them over the weekend. Definitely going to want to check that out as always. So let's talk about the game that you are going to be at. It's the Iron Bowl. It's a game that we don't expect to be very competitive because sick whoa, brag. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, hold on. Real, I got to get this out there. I just want to make sure that we this is known on record. I don't get many things right. So when I do get something right, the world <laughs> has to know about it. I got this spread right. Yeah, you, dude, you killed it. I nailed it. 
And what was I thinking about with the Clemson minus 14? Oh, that was horrible on your part. That <laughs> was not even close. Um, yeah, you killed the spreads this week. 24-point spread it started at, I believe, and it's gone... Um, I think it's, what is it, like 24 and a half or something? I, we're recording this yeah, Wednesday morning. Yeah, it's bounced back and forth between 24 and a half, 25 and a half, uh, depending on what site you're looking at. I'm trying to think. You got this one right. You got um, Arkansas, Missouri right. Sick brag. It actually did end up jumping up to what I've guessed, though, so it's like pretty much I won that one. Um, yeah, we killed it, man. So, anyway... Yeah, 24 and a half point spread. That seems like a lot. But I mean, you're the genius on this, so do you think they cover? Well, Alabama has not lost or has not won a game by less than 24 points this year. So there's some thinking. That is not true. Wait, is that true? Yeah, think about it. They won the Mississippi State game 24 nothing, right? Right. What about AM? AM, they won by 22, I thought. Was that 22? I think so. Because the only game they've been... Um, oh, that's right. The only right, game right. they didn't cover the spread when they've been uh, favored by less than 25. That's right. All right. So, whatever. They won every game by at least 22 points. Let's just pretend I was right about that. Um, anyone who brings up last year's game is just... I mean, that's just... That's dumb. That's just so dumb. If, if an Auburn fan is sitting there being like, you know what? Last year we figured out the right way to, the right way to game plan against Alabama and this, this, and this. I, I, I'm sorry, but... You're, you're just wrong um, for the yeah. simple fact that Tua is not Jalen Hurts and anybody in Auburn's backfield is not on Johnson. And um, I, I just, I, I feel bad if, if that's like your thing for an, if you're an Auburn fan holding on to that, like one of these like, oh, you just never know when these two teams get on the field. Like, I don't know, sometimes you just know. So here's what I'll say about that. And I agree with you to an extent. But, so, first off, I don't think any Auburn fans that I've come in contact with, um, which is like three uh, total, and probably in the entire year, like to stay away from them, especially this week. But I haven't heard any Auburn fans say that, necessarily. What I will say is the whole thing about, you know, anything could happen, throw out the records. I've been to several Iron Bowls um, where Bama had a 24-point lead in 2010 and blew it in the comeback game. Um, in 2002, and they were like a 17-point favorite, lost 17 nothing. There's been several times where there's been like a big double-digit spread, and like Auburn came in as the underdog and and won outright. And I had to go home, sit there in traffic, <laughs> go to the Knights Inn. It was terrible. However, I don't think that is really going to happen this time. I don't think this is. I mean, that was under like Dennis Franchione, and that's not that is not what's happening in Tuscaloosa right now. Greg McElroy said that this is the fifth most intriguing game. During the, in the SEC during rivalry week, I mean that's that's how that, lopsided. That's dumb. I mean that's that is incredibly dumb. First of all, how dare Greg McElroy say something negative about potentially something involving Alabama? Yeah. we don't we don't need that. We don't, we don't need, need that. that kind of negativity, Greg. You yeah. know what we could have used was more touchdown passes and that twenty four point loss or twenty four point win that we uh, that we blew or lead. Dang it, Chris, I got all fired up now. Remind me of the twenty ten game. Regardless, I think it'll be close early on because Auburn does. Especially up front on defense. They do enough things that I think they can disrupt, like, Bama's offensive line, maybe stop the running game a little bit. I mean, Tua hasn't looked comfortable in the month of November besides the Citadel. That is will not true. Be the Citadel. That is true. Um, obviously, everybody's going to look, be looking at how healthy Tua is, if his knee is going to be totally right, because we talked about, a lot about that Auburn front seven. They can get after the quarterback. They can do a lot of things that make him uncomfortable. But 
if this turns into one of those games where Tua hits on a couple early passes to Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and all of a sudden you're thinking to yourself, how in the world is Auburn going to come back from this? Because swing passes aren't exactly um, the best way to rally back from double-digit deficits. Just kind of a thought, throwing that out there. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll get ugly. I, I agree if that's if that's the game plan that Gus goes in with. And I keep thinking every week he's not going to do that. And then he does. Just reverses, jet sweeps, swing passes. Like, it's not a great scheme uh, or plan going into, especially against Alabama. The defense is playing really well. What I will say about um, the, the 24 and a half points, even though it's like a, a big spread, this is a, a team that is like still has a lot to prove. It's a revenge game. Mm-hmm. It's at home. It's senior day. They looked like crap last week against the Citadel. And for the first time all season, you're having, you know, people around, I guess like in the media especially, questioning if this Alabama team is legit or as good as everyone thought they were for most of the season. And I don't think that's uh, that very bodes well for Gus Malzahn. Yeah, that's exactly how Saban would draw it up. Let's let's yeah. let's be honest. We're 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 not talking about Alabama and you know whether or not they're going to win by forty or fifty, which is exactly the way that he likes it. They they get to play. He doesn't have to talk to talk about no. the revenge angle or anything like that. That's that's something within that locker room that's taken care of. You know what scares me more than anything for for Auburn? Oh, I was going to say just in general or like for Auburn? <laughs> well, spiders yeah. uh, and commitment. But, you know, um, what uh, scares me more than anything for Auburn, they rolled out a Heisman campaign for Tua. Yeah, yeah. Took till week 13, but Alabama finally got around to it. Meanwhile, like everybody else sends out, you know, we got the, the Ed Oliver bobblehead where he was on the horse right. at the beginning of the year. And, and Mackenzie Milton, they sent out lays for everybody. And, you know, the, the Heisman campaign with the Hawaii right. thing. So I guess Tua couldn't really take that but because um, I guess Mackenzie Milton is the only quarterback who's allowed to be from Hawaii and compete for the Heisman Trophy. But... Tua's Heisman campaign is off and running. Good for him. Yeah, I just, I mean, and I don't remember the last time Bama's really done that. So I kind of feel like Tua's going to put on a show on Saturday. Well, it's 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 also, I mean, you do this so that Bama, Bama running back doesn't have to, you know, the, the Heisman campaign writes itself. Like, Derrick Henry doesn't need a Heisman campaign. Um you know, we can go back to Mark Ingram. He didn't really need a Heisman campaign. It's right. it's pretty standard. Even though Mark Ingram was the first Bama player to win the Heisman, that's still yeah. You but know. for Saban to be like, I guess, highlighting and um, what's what's the best way to put it? Talking about individual accolades is pretty yeah. rare for him. Showing so yeah. much love yeah. to an individual on the team, especially going into uh, the Auburn week. That that. I've got to feel like he, he feels pretty confident going into this then. Here's an interesting question for the quarterback on the other side. Is this Jared Siddham's last game in an Auburn uniform? Yes. Well, I mean, the bowl no, game. No, 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 no. No, I'm including the bowl game. Uh, uh, who, who's the, who, who would play in the bowl game? Uh, you'd have Malik Willis playing in the bowl game. Maybe Joey Gatewood. Maybe Joey Gatewood gets a, a chance. The next Cam <laughs> Newton. Um, um I, yeah, I mean either I think this one or the next one, it definitely is. Well that's like, that's not my question. Game. My question is, is it this one? That's Would he sit question. out a bowl game given his draft stock, given the fact that we, well, I, I mean I think he's gone in the NFL. I don't think there's any question about it. I think staying I think, another yeah, year in that really system is, is, is I'd foolish. say yeah. I'd say I mean they're if they lose this game, they're gonna be seven and five. So what bowl what bowl does that put them in? Probably like the Music City. If they go to Shreveport, 
yeah, you better sit it out. Yeah, what's you what's not go to Shreveport? What's playing one more game behind that offensive line, which has struggled this year? Playing in that system, going to do for Jared Stidham's draft stock? I would be I think he's so gonna, ready to go. I think he's going to take that that extra month and, and prepare, considering that Auburn is you know not going to be playing for anything right. special necessarily in the bowl game. So that, that's just, just something go out to, to like a, an open field and just throw footballs like over I don't know 30, 40 yards. Um, Ooh, that'd be cool for fun because he hasn't been able to do it pretty much all year thanks to Gus. I just want videos every day like let's let's just have jared sidham get really prolific on social media and just him throwing a vortex like 67 <laughs> just, just get all vortex. the videos of that just an uncle rico out in the middle of a prairie outside of his van just just crushing a vortex love that and at the end of every video he just lets out this yell like he's free for the first I love time that. yeah 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 okay all right well jared sidham we, we pretty much gave you all the ammo you need to not play in that bowl game but uh, we'll see how this one shakes out. Let's go on to clean old-fashioned hate. You got the early scouting report <laughs> on Georgia Tech last week when you wandered into Bobby Dodd Stadium. Oh, but this, yeah, this is a this is a weird one. The line's like seventeen and a half. Started, this, this is didn't like, it start at like fourteen or something? No, I think it I think it started at seventeen. Oh, did it? Um, okay. No, it started at eighteen. But uh, yeah, I mean, Tech they run the triple option. I honestly think this line's too low because of the fact that. People are taking what happened with Bam in the Citadel last week and kind of assuming it might be the same thing that happens. And, I mean, Tech has beaten Georgia in Athens the past two trips. And, and like I've said before, Paul Johnson is such an a-hole. He's just, like, <laughs> the worst person. But, I mean, yeah, like, this is a weird rivalry because, like, Tech hates Georgia. Like, legitimately hates Georgia. And Georgia just doesn't really care about Georgia Tech. So, I'm excited for it. I wish there wasn't a noon kick, but... I think part of the reason for that spread, too, is the fact that Tech does come into this game having won six out of its last seven, and that's that's worth something. And, you know, they got off to such a horrible, horrible start. They were one and three to start the year, and they've been playing better. I think a lot of people, I was talking to a Georgia fan yesterday who was like, yeah, I actually looked at a Tech schedule, and they're, they're better than I thought they would be at this point yeah. in the season. Um, so there's that. There's the fact that, obviously, running that system, they have the number one rushing attack in the country, 354 yards a game. UGA has done pretty well against the run this year. Not, like, unbelievable lights right. out. Number 27 in the country, I believe. So my question is, what if what if Tech just came out throwing the ball? <laughs> what, what if one time, one time, this happened where a triple option team is like, we spent, we, we, we had these packages where they, they spent, like, maybe 20 minutes just working on for the last month preparing right. for this game knowing what right. it means just preparing like steadily 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 they and then all this Washington week Washington State Mike Mike Leach offense yeah that'd be incredible all, they're all not gonna week. do that I know they're not gonna do that but like <laughs> that is <sighs> that would be awesome that would be, be awesome and Paul Johnson again he's a big enough a-hole to do that um but here's what I'll say like they I mean they beat Virginia Tech but without attempting or completing a single pass it's tough to do that is tough to do. That is tough to do. So, I mean, Tech, yeah, they lead the nation in rushing, but here's a stat for you. In the last four games, last four games, Tech's won four in a row by an average of 10 points. Georgia has actually rushed for more yards per game by like 40 yards per game wow. than Georgia Tech. So, and I mean, going off what happened last year, I think that Tech offense and team in general wasn't as good when they got beat 38-7. to but I think for like the first time in a while, this actually means something to most of the uh, the Georgia players, because I mean losing th- losing your last two home games to Georgia Tech. I mean the disrespect for Georgia Tech 
by Georgia fans in the state. I, I can't even begin to describe you. Yeah, there will be some people in that Georgia locker room who this matters more to than others. This is still a really young team. I'm not sure how many of those guys were even, you know, really playing or fixtures. I mean, let's not forget that guys like DeAndre Swift and, and Jake Fromm were, were still seniors in high school when that last game happened. Yeah, but and, regardless, they're going to come in. To, right. they, they don't want to get embarrassed by the nerds from North Avenue. Georgia's been so upset-proof since the start of 2017. This stat, I think, is 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 really worth something when we talk about Georgia on a weekly basis and why they just seem you, – you never really think that they're going to stub their toe. They always come out ready to go against lesser competition. They don't really do the whole sleeper game thing. UGA is 10-0 with an average margin of victory of 27.4 points per game against unranked Power 5 teams since 2017. Unranked Power 5 teams – kind of fit the sleeper mold and I'm not saying this is a sleeper game necessarily just because it's a rivalry game but it is still the game before Bama with the SEC East already clinched and stuff so I guess that narrative could be thrown out there but I think that in itself and Georgia's never won a game by less than 14 points by the way right in in any of those those games against unranked power five teams since the start of 2017 so take that for what it is but that that to me is why I look at that spread and we'll get to this later in picks but I'm I'm thinking Georgia wins this game by three scores easy. And they also, that's a great stat, by the way. I was just trying to give you an air high five. Oh, thank you. Um, Thank you. I accept. You're welcome. Uh, I accept. So in nine of their ten wins this season, they've won by at least 17 points as well. So when they're on, they're on. Yeah. And the one game that they didn't was Auburn, and that was a 17-point game, right? No, it was uh, Missouri, 14 points. Oh, that's right. That's right. Because the line was 14 and a half. Good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're not happy about that. No, I got that one right. Anyway, moving on. Peter Burns brought up a great point about Kirby Smart that uh, I wrote about this week. And I think it. I think we've overlooked this. We've been guilty of this. A lot of people have been guilty of this. But Kirby Smart is a potential SEC Coach of the Year candidate. He's not going to get lumped in with Ed Orgeron, Dan Mullen, and Mark Stoops. And you're giving me that look. And it's not that he's an obvious candidate, and he, I'm not even necessarily saying that he would get my vote. But just consider this: you have a vote? No, I don't. But I do have. A, we do have the preseason, the preseason vote. I don't think. Do I get a postseason vote? I didn't get one last. I year. I don't know. I don't know. Every time we come on this podcast, you're telling me like, "Yeah, I was talking to Coach Saban earlier today." And I'm like, "What is happening right now?" Uh, texting my good old friend Nikki. Um, <laughs> I think so this. He wouldn't get your vote. He wouldn't necessarily get my vote, but I think. And you can get into the discussion about how that's just basically surprise coach of the year, not really coach of the year. Um, but I think this just shows, and Peter Burns pointed this out, that Georgia is such a juggernaut now that Kirby Smart is leading the number five team in the country. And nobody's surprised by it at all. This team started off the season at number three in the country, but having to replace so much talent across the board, especially in the middle of that defense, and they're sitting here with a, with an East title already clinched with only one loss, with a chance to make the playoffs still. And nobody, nobody anymore is throwing Kirby Smart into the SEC Coach of the Year discussion. And it's much like what Saban has dealt dealt with since 2010. You know, he's the guy has, what, three or four national titles? since He's got four national titles since 2010. He's got one SEC Coach of the Year award. The, so right. Kirby, Kirby is moving. My point is just though. that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's expected. Kirby is moving into that territory with with Saban, where you're not going to pencil him in as a candidate this late in the year, he's already moved past that, and I think that just kind of shows what the new standard at Georgia is, even more so than what you know. Last year, he won this award in a landslide, and it wasn't right. even close because preseason expectations were lower. But I just think that that's a testament to really what he's been able to build in the last two years. So 
And I agree with almost everything you said. And he really has done an incredible job. And it's it's crazy to think from where this program was two years ago in his first season, where and a lot of people, as soon as they fired Rick and hired Kirby, I was like, oh God, here we go, because I just knew what he was going to be capable of building with the kind of recruiter he is. And like, I went the other direction. Oh, See, I, I was I was making the argument of like big time program guy who's never been a head coach before, and I had big time questions about why Georgia got rid of somebody who right. was so steady and stable and Mark Richt, and not necessarily with the upside. But I, I questioned it. I, I mean, you could go back and find some of my old tweets, and I was like, what what makes him think that Kirby Smart is is going to be the guy who's going to lead him right. to prominence? And two years later, I mean, they're you know, I, I understand I mean, it's year three, but I could see like you questioning it. I guess is but like Mark Richt, he was. Yeah, steady and stable. Like Mark Richter's like marrying like your high school sweetheart. It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna just kind of coast through here. This nine and three, eight and four record. They're gonna do something to disappoint me every single year. Um, but here's a stat I'm gonna throw out there. When you talk about all the loss and turnover from Kirby Smart, this is from Saban. Okay, he had to replace an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coach, running backs coach, inside linebackers coach, DL coach. Uh, defensive backs coach, receiver coach, quarterback coach, and 17 total players who went to the NFL last year. And they have still won every game by at least three touchdowns. So it is, it's in like, and I'm not saying that he should win either, but it's crazy to think how much, I don't want to say they've each coached had to overcome him and smart, but like what they've been able to accomplish with that kind of turnover. Mark Rick's Especially smart in a short period of time. Mark Rick's favorite quarterback. Aaron Murray, we we reported this back in July. Yeah. I threw this out there. Um, you did. Not, to, not to get off the, the, the Kirby Smart um, uh, praising, I don't, I don't know what you want to call it. But, Hot um, train. I'm, I'm just going to say, you can go back and listen to the podcast that we did with Aaron Murray at SEC Media Days where I basically put the bug in his ear like, hey, you should join the Alliance of American Football. I'm just saying. And what did Aaron Murray do? He signed a deal to play with the team in Atlanta. I, if you want to fork over, like, I'm not asking for much, Aaron. Like, I'm really not. Like, maybe 2%, 3 4 tops. Um, you going to split that? I mean, like, you're just taking all that money from, from Aaron? No, I mean... It's like, it's like the State Farm agent commercial right now. I'm not his agent necessarily, but, like, I was kind of his hype man to at least throw that out yeah. there, where I think, you know, I got the ball the rolling with that. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I at least deserve to be in the entourage. I mean, it, he's playing for the team in Atlanta, so I guess you could be in the entourage. I mean, I would love to be in his entourage. I mean, and also, like, yeah, we've been, we should go back and, and do like a deep dive into our old predictions. Like, oh, I mean, I'm not. the one that said it's bird bad. scooters and Bitcoin were going to take over. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Um, let's yeah. let's go to the game that we're all going to be watching as we're waking oh, up from our, like, late afternoon nap, early evening nap. Uh, we're going to flip on the Egg Bowl, of course, and we're going to watch Nick Fitzgerald in his revenge game against uh, an Ole Miss team that has been probably hyping this game up for a while because you really don't have anything <laughs> else to hype up. Um, but big-time revenge game for Nick Fitzgerald. That's going to be a, a, an obvious narrative in this one. Right. Last year, the, the ugly, ugly injury to the ankle, um, and Mississippi State ends up losing that game on their home field, uh, this game being played in Oxford. Final SEC game for, for well, final game overall for, for Jordan Tamu, our guy. And I think this has been a little bit overlooked. Yeah, he's a senior. What? Yeah, he's senior. Man, okay. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna Google this right now just to make sure I'm like absolutely not totally wrong. But I'm pretty yeah I'm like almost positive. Goodbye, Tamu. Um, but think about this. No. Yeah, he's a senior. 
That was a really good song. I appreciate you dropping that in there. Goodbye, Toby. Goodbye, Toby. Okay. I'll do my yeah. best. No, I, I, trust me. I, I love Goodbye, Toby. I don't need any reason to sing that. Whenever a coach leaves that I don't like, I pretty much put goodbye whoever into the place of it. Yeah, pretty easy. Okay. Um, so I don't think people realize Jordan Tamu is 446 passing yards away from setting an SEC single season record. Last year, we talked a lot about Drew Locke and the touchdown pass record, right. the single season mark for that. I'm not saying he's going to throw for 446 passing yards against that really good Mississippi State defense. <laughs> <he's> not, yeah. <laughs> but the fact that he is this close in a 12-game season. That's crazy. That's pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. Um, and, and Jordan Tomu has, has had one of these careers that you feel bad for the guy because he hasn't been able to play with a better defense. He hasn't been able to go to a bowl game, all that stuff. But I, I think that he's – I hope that he gets his due and I hope that he people don't look back at him and they're just like, oh, yeah, this is – because this is going to be kind of the, the, the period in time that Ole Miss fans are going to want to forget about. But I don't think that they should forget about somebody like Jordan Tom or somebody like right. A.J. Brown, guy, these guys who stayed and made this, this floor a lot higher than what it could have been. Yeah, I mean, he's not – he's not like a Chad Kelly that came in as like a fun, also polarizing figure um, – that you know get you like big wins like you know beating Bam on the road or right, Wallace right. like you know that 2014 run. However, like in like there's not been a lot of great things to kind of cling on to um, football wise. Not I mean tailgating yes, but football wise for all of us we love not the a lot of great stuff. That's the best. But I mean he's been one of the few bright spots, and so I don't think he'll be. I don't think it'll like I don't want to say tarnish his reputation at all, but I think he's like one of the few positives uh from this like two year span that they've had to go through and you know aj brown it's been fun to watch like that's been the only thing that's really kept them in games and you know you know while we're on the subject of patting ourselves on the back who was the person that said jordan tom was going to lead the sec in passing yards that wasn't really that good of a that wasn't that bold of a prediction i should say he was I, like third in the odds i agreed with you on that oh, whatever anyway no i, I think uh <laughs> this game this is like one of my favorite rivalries in the sec because one it's i mean they hate each other like they really oh yeah like each oh other. yeah um i mean almost I, I forgot the exact percentage but it's it's a like i want to say like 80 percent of like the rosters are from the state of mississippi um so it's always like a really fierce rivalry uh it's very even like listen to this stat here in the last 10 years <laughs> the overall record is five and five and the point differential is an average of 27.1 to 26.9 in favor of Mississippi State. So it's a very close, very fierce rivalry. Also, it, this is like the perfect excuse, like like you said, if you're waking up from your nap, or for me, if I didn't go to sleep yet, to finally have an excuse to avoid my family at Thanksgiving. Be like, I got to go watch this Egg Bowl. I'll see you guys later. What do you think that crowd's going to be like? Because we saw the, the Ole Miss buy one, get one the thing. Logo. Oh. They had a Black Friday sale. For, oh, that's not a good sign. No, and I don't. I mean, I this game like they're gonna they'll get up for it, I guess, because it's a rivalry game. But I, I don't. If you're having to sell Bogo tickets to That's, the Egg Bowl, if, that stadium only holds like what sixty thousand. If a ticket office is doing that, they're they're fearful. They're very yeah. fearful that it's going to be an empty stadium. And if this ends up being you know a half empty stadium, Mississippi State wins this game. That's the optics of that are really really bad. Now on the flip yeah. side. If Ole Miss wins this game, I'm saying I'm just saying if hypothetically right. speaking, we're, we try and get out ahead of this. This creates some big time offseason momentum for a variety of reasons. And one, if they are able to hold Mississippi State's 
uh, if they're able to hold Mississippi State's offense in check and this ends up being like Mississippi State winning this game like 28-17, I'm just throwing that out there randomly. I maybe this game saves the staff of that old the old Miss defensive staff, which I think they are. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything that can save them at this point. Right. Um, I think those changes will be made. Um, as much as you know, I praised them in the beginning of the year for the job that they, they, that they did against Texas Tech. I think that you know it's pretty hard to argue with the the run game results, but. I think that this game could create a lot of off-season momentum for Ole Miss if they're able to win this game for the simple fact that this is finally uh, going into what's going to be early signing period coming up. They finally talked about this cloud that's that's been lifted, and if they're all of a sudden able to get some of these, you know, they can. That's big time bragging rights in the state. We've talked about how the majority of these rosters are made up in the Magnolia State. That's just the way right. that it works. And I think that Matt Luke uses this as a huge selling point to be able to say, like, look, even in a year where Mississippi State comes in as this preseason, you know, top 25 team, you had columnists who were saying that they were going to win 10 games in a season, <laughs> um, maybe columnists singular, not plural. I think he's able to sell that big time in living rooms across that state and say, look, this is the bottom. Be, be a part of this rise. And I think that if, the, if you win a game like this, that kind of just shows you that you're at a much better place than maybe we thought that they were going to be, you know. Yeah. At this time last year, so that I just and wanted to throw that At the same time, you know, if I if I um, start eating like healthy and and not you know crushing Bud Lights every weekend, I'll have a six pack. Both those things could happen. They're not going to. I believe in you. Um, Mississippi State is as close as this rivalry's been throughout the years. Like I pointed out, this I don't think this is going to be close at all. I don't I don't see this being close at all. I mean, like first off, let's go back to the Bogo thing. If you're having like a Joseph A. Bank flash sale. Where it's buy one ticket, get like three suits free, and like a now, that's what I call music CD, like just throw it on in there as well. I That says a lot about where your fan support's going to be. I, I feel like this team, and we saw it firsthand, I, I feel like this team, especially if they get down early, will roll over. And when they have faced good defenses this year, it has not it's gone that open. well. Yeah. And, I, and I love Tamu, and he's been fantastic. And they got robbed last weekend in Nashville. But this Mississippi State team... And who has not played well in conference games on offense, I think this is going to be – Nick Fitzgerald never got his Heisman moment like Joe Moorhead was talking about before the season started. But this will be an emphatic win for him to end his career, especially after what happened last year. Let's move on to LSU-Texas A&M, a rivalry that has been very one-sided, super one-sided. In fact, so one-sided that it surprised me to see that LSU, despite the fact that it has not lost to Texas A&M since – the Aggies have come into the SEC. LSU's a three-point underdog now. Yeah, what in the hell, what in the hell is happening right now? Obviously, the the playoff selection committee is not setting those lines because um, right. No, um, I, that's that's a different soapbox for a different time. Um, so this game comes as one that it's it's actually the only, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it's the only game this weekend involving two ranked, ranked SEC uh-huh. teams. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm. We'll get into this later with picks. But I want to kind of talk about just this uh, this story that Ross Dellinger for Sports Illustrated, just great work for him, uh, that he did about Jimbo Fisher potentially taking that A&M, or the, the LSU job, rather, uh, after the 2015 season when everybody thought that Les Miles was done. And then LSU wins that game 19-7. to He gets you know carried off the field, all that stuff. And Les Miles, Les is going to stay. He's going to stay. Right. <laughs> Dellinger, Ross did a great job of talking to former LSU players, guys like Will Clapp, Brandon Harris, 
and they were already apparently talking about how they were going to fit into Jimbo's system. Like that's how close really? this was. They had all the you know the negotiations were in place, and everything was going to be set. And LSU players were already moving on. They were hearing so much about this internally. Les basically had like a goodbye where he told he told everybody's like. You know, it, it wasn't goodbye, but it was goodbye. Like, you just kind of know. I would have loved to hear that speech. I would, too. To be a fly on that wall. <laughs> just listen to him sputter through a goodbye speech for, like, three and a half minutes. So it's amazing to think about how that game, that 19-7 to game that, you know, we, we go back and we're like, all right, you know, what did that really do? How that could have changed the course of SEC history. If Jimbo had come into LSU... With that roster in 2016, how talented it was. You had Leonard Fournette returning. That was a preseason top five team. It's amazing to think about what they could have become and if they could have maybe provided a better threat to the playoff. Just because we're talking about Jimbo as a guy who's been able to develop quarterbacks. We've seen the job that he's done with Kellen Mond and how he's been able to, you know, I, I understand he had his struggles at Florida State down the stretch, but would that have changed anything and would LSU have been a bigger threat you know, maybe a couple years ago than what they've been, you know, in recent memory? Um, under less, yeah, I think so. Um, I think they've been great under Orgeron. No, I, mean, I, I agree, I agree. I, I guess I, more so just 2016. We're talking about twenty the 2016 team. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really... I, that's tough to say because, I mean, like, there's you're still in the SEC West. I never thought he had a chance to go in there, so that's, I'm surprised that that was the... Uh, I thought he was just leveraging it for a higher raise like he always did. Um, so I didn't realize that had actually happened. But, I, yeah, I don't know if it changed the, the course of, like, SEC history because, yeah, like, he's a great quarterbacks coach. And they always call him, like, the quarterback whisperer. He, LSU doesn't have quarterbacks. Like, they just have not had a quarterback good enough, I think, to really win, like, go out there and win them a game against, like, a ranked team, like, in 2016 at least. I mean, I think he would have been more competent, especially with the play calling, uh, than Les Miles was. But I don't know if it would have necessarily changed history. But that being said, they also uh, there's that phrase again. Um, <laughs> that was a, that was a year where you know like, where Bama, which I've said before, I thought was the best team I've I've ever seen at Bama. Right. They were tied zero zero going uh, into the fourth quarter. So maybe. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think they're in a better spot now with with Orgeron than than uh, Jimbo. I would agree with that. I think it's it's really interesting to think about, though, the the fact that like how that would have changed this entire wrinkle because A and M you kind of thought made the move and Scott Woodward made that move because he thought he had Jimbo in his back pocket. Where would A and M be? Uh, where would Kevin Sumlin be? Like all these different things, the the ripple effect that that could have had. I, I, where would Orgeron be? Yeah, where would Orgeron be? That's that's another great question. And Chris um, Jones just being an analyst for Bama—that'd be awesome. You should definitely go check out that story um, on, on Sports Illustrated. It's really good stuff. Um, this is still a huge game for LSU. Let's get back to, to 2018. <clears throat> Massive game for LSU because you're playing for a New Year's Six Bowl. We talk about what that would mean for this team, especially going into the offseason. I think LSU has a chance to start off as a preseason top five team next year, given what they're expected to return. And this is still, you know, a huge game for for A and M. Jimbo wants to get some momentum going into the early signing period. He already has a loaded 2019 class, and if you can end that streak in year one, that's a really, really good sign for you moving forward. Yeah, agreed. Um, and again, like when you look at the line, it's I'm, I'm shocked that they're favored. Not because they're not a good football team, and they've been very, very surprising, you know, just in his first year. But yeah, I mean, it's. If, if they don't win, I don't think it really 
negates the success of what he was able to do in his first season. You're but, talking about Jimbo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But season. Orgeron is an underdog, and, and this is I feel like this is a big, big game for LSU more so than A&M because I get wanting to get over the hump, and they've lost like seven in a row and all that kind of stuff, and you're at home, finish on a strong note, all that kind of stuff. But for LSU, this is like a the cherry on top, I guess, like the the perfect end to a season where so many people had written them off in the beginning of the year, the hot seat talk with, with Coach O and all that stuff, and they had a, a brutal schedule. And to be able to finish, you know, 10-2 and two and a double-digit wins instead of 9-3 and three and go on the road and continue to beat this team as an underdog again this season, I, I think this means a lot to Coach O and, uh, and LSU. Mike Elko uh, got a little shout-out from Bruce Feldman, by the way. Bruce Feldman said that Mike Elko doesn't get enough credit. You know where he does get enough credit? On the SDS podcast by yours That's right. truly. Uh, Mike, up, Bruce. Mike Elko going to hold the LSU defense to 10 points, go get a Power 5 job? Think it's going to happen? No. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> so, and like, they've won seven in a row and, and by an average of like 14, 14.7 points. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, Florida, Florida State. We need to change the name of this rivalry. The, suns, the Sunshine Showdown is lame. It's, it's really, really lame. The War on I-4 is a much, much better name, and that's between Ooh. UCF and USF. That uh, is a take that is not going to go over well with our audience. I, just I the name itself is better. The War on I-4, shout out I-4, I live like two minutes from it. Yeah, I mean, um, luckily we're recording at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I can say Sunshine Showdown, but if you've got anything to drink in you on Saturday, how are you going to say that? I have no idea. It's Ooh. Say Rivalry Week and Sunshine Showdown real fish, ten times fast. Uh, just no, thank you. Or like slur shine. Should I? I'm, I'm over it. I'm over it. Florida State and Florida. Yeah, there we go. Florida, Florida State, Florida State, Florida, whatever. Um, Dan Mullen is desperate to end this this skid five years in a row that the Knolls have had the upper Ooh. hand in this one. Florida has gotten to twenty points just once during that stretch, <laughs> and it was last year when they didn't have McElwain, of course. Um, they had twenty two points, and you know Florida State was still a disaster. Uh, do you think Florida State is able to hold Florida to less than 20 points yet again? No, absolutely not. First off, they're giving up 30 points a game. Yeah, they're bad. Um, they're, they're, they're not, so I love this line strictly because it's based off of history, and they've lost the last five games in a row by an average of 19 points to Florida State. Um, Florida State has that whole you know 36-year bowl streak on the line. And they just came off a. I don't. Boston College wasn't ranked, but were they ranked? Yeah, they, they were, were ranked. ranked. They were ranked. Like twenty first. Yeah. So they they have a one point win against Boston College. So all of a sudden, there's hope that you know the streak is still alive for the bowl games, all that kind of stuff in their favor. When you break down the stats of what they've done this season, it is not good. And they like DeAndre Francois. I think is one of the most underrated quarterbacks and probably players in the country at quarter uh, for FSU at quarterback, but. You're talking about a team that has been outscored by over a hundred, and they've been outscored a hundred by 150 points against ranked teams this year. Todd Grantham's going to blitz on every play. Wait, that is the wrong stat. I'm reading the wrong stat. Yeah, he's definitely going to blitz on every play because that it, offensive line is terrible. It's, and, and yeah, they're awful. Yeah, so they they have been pretty brutal, um, like up front. They have the 126 ranked. Uh, rushing offense in the country. How do you have Cam Akers and average only 
rushing yards per game. How's that possible? Free Cam Akers, man. That dude, that dude is fun to watch. Uh, uh, all the Dalvin Cook comparisons of a couple years ago, I think, were, were perfectly fair, and I would love to see what he can actually do with a competent offensive line. The Knowles are playing for bowl eligibility in this one. It's it, it, whatever. Last year, I guess that was a little bit of a different story because they still had the game added on at the end. Um, that they, you know, added to their schedule to, to get to Delaware 12 State. so they could play in a bowl game. Um, yeah, but Emory Jones is going to be somebody to watch in this one because I think Florida fans want to see, I mean, Florida fans obviously want to see him play. Um, they're excited about what the true freshman has been able to do in very limited reps. And they want to hold on to the red shirt and do all that stuff. But this is this would be his fourth game to potentially play in. Um, I'm not sure if this game is going to dictate that, but I think that's something that, that Florida fans are, are going to obviously be, you know, watching for and kind of hoping for. I mean, I think they, they want to see as much of him as possible, and whether that's to provide a spark in a close game or if they're, you know, playing when it's a three-touchdown game in the fourth quarter, I'm sure that they would take that too. Yeah, I mean, I, I just hope they don't get too cute with it and and make like end up having one of them being out of rhythm. Uh, by the way, the stat I was trying to say, they've been outscored by 101 total points against ranked teams. There you go. There you go. And they're averaging only 10 points a game against um, against ranked teams as well. But, yeah, I mean, as, as long as you don't get – Felipe Franks is playing pretty well. I understand Idaho kind of – they suck. But, I mean, you know, I, I think they both look good. You you don't want to overthink this. Like, make sure you go out there and get your win uh, and don't create an in-game quarterback controversy because, as we've seen from Felipe Franks before – if he gets in his feelings, it does not really go well uh, for everyone around him. You might be a bad person to ask this question to because you have been to many Braves Braves games. You live in Atlanta. You're a little bit more used to it. I think the war chant is one of the top two or three worst noises in sports. And the it fact is. that so many different, I'm, I, you know, we can get into the discussion about whether or not Florida State was, you know, the originators of it, whether or not they're, they should be they the were. only ones allowed to do it and all that stuff. Whatever. I, I know other people like to clean that too, but... I, I think it's so annoying to listen to. I hate it. I can't stand it. I mean, I know as in, uh, from friends that have gone to, like, to Doak and as like an opposing team, they they hate it because it's like... It's like every first down. Well, so the exact quote I was told is from somebody one time was, it is just, and he's doing like the, the Tomahawk Shop uh, motion, it is just this for 60 effing minutes. And it is a lot. It is... Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's. I, I love it because and, and Chief Osceola going out with the spear like pregame, I love that as well. But I mean, I this is not that Florida State. This is not that kind of like you know your mid '90s, early 2000s, or even under Jimbo, um, Florida State with like this swag and and kind of confidence going into this game where you're going to intimidate Florida. I, I don't. I don't think this is close. Florida needs this one bad, real bad. Let's do some over-unders. We've got four other games in the SEC. Um, we've got the big one in the state of Tennessee to decide who is going to a bowl game. Vandy, Tennessee, the battle for the Volunteer State. How many times, Derek Mason referenced this earlier in the week, but I think his quote will probably come up um, during the broadcast. How many times are we going to hear a little brother reference on the broadcast? I set the over-under <laughs> at 2.5. Who's calling the game? That's a good question. Um, if it's Jordan Rodgers, it's over. It's definitely over. Jordan Rodgers isn't getting a Vandy game, is he? Would they put him at, on a Vandy game? I'm I'm pretty sure they've had a couple. He was at the Georgia Vandy game when he was tweeting me during the game. 
Oh, that's right. That's right. That's why. That's um, probably why he was. He was very. He was upset in the middle of the second half. Oh, shout out to uh, who was it that uh, I can't remember who it was on SEC Network who did the rap, uh, just roasting <laughs> Jordan Rogers. That was so good. I'm blanking on the name right now, but that was incredible, and I'm so upset that we did not think of that first. I, I just you're not a good rapper. You know that. I'm a rapist. You know this. <laughs> Don't want to say that word wrong. Um, um, no, I, I I would say it's definitely over two and a half. Yeah, probably. Uh, how many win or go home references are we going to get in this one? Because bowl eligibility is on the line. Let's not forget. We definitely won't forget that. I set the over under at four and a half. Yeah, it's definitely over on that one too. It's everything I've seen online, like on ESPN already. It's like Derek Mason calling this a win or go home situation. Yeah, no blank. That's exactly what it is. Like, but yeah, they're gonna definitely overuse that as well. I would. I, I'm gonna probably take the over, but they'll find different ways to say win or go home. They'll they'll say everything's on the line or blah 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 is at stake. And that's just what we do with bowl games to make it seem. It like doesn't five get any teams. bigger than this. Well, yeah. it does. Yeah. yeah, it does. Okay, let's move on to South Carolina Clemson. How many times are we going to hear Clemson's playoff resume referenced? I set the over under at five point five. Keep in mind. That if this game gets ugly, like we expect, they're going to need to fill some airtime. Yeah, that is um, exactly what I was going to say. It would probably be an over. And also, they brought this up last night on the uh, on the playoff ranking show, that even if they lost, if Clemson lost to South Carolina, their strength of record would still rank seventh in the country. So I don't see this one necessarily being close. Um, if Clemson pulls away, you're not going to have a lot to talk about. So I would agree with that. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that as well, that I think that they're going to have a lot of chances to talk about Clemson and whether, you know, they were referencing, I think that was the topic of discussion, is how close is Clemson-Alabama? And I think that's that's kind of a fair point just because their margin of victory has been so significant. And I know that Bama still has the best win in the country, and I still think that Bama has a loss to give. But I, I think that it's at least worth worth talking about because of how dominant that they've been. I think Clemson is the best team in the country right now. Whew. And I'll tell you why after this next step. Are you are you okay? Are you feeling I'm, well? I'm, I'm, I'm being dead. I said before the season I thought they would win the national title, but I'm, I'll, I'll tell you why after this over-under. Okay, let's do over-under Jake Bentley touchdown passes. I said it at 1.5, and I think I already regret that. I'm taking the under. Yeah, I'm going to take the under. We First off, we got to start uh, disagreeing more on these picks. I know. We but, do. so, Clemson, I heard this stat earlier this week, and I think it was from Danny Cannell, so I was like, that can't be real. Um... <laughs> Even though I like Danny Cannell now. But they have given up. They have not given up a single, quote-unquote, meaningful touchdown uh, where they have been up by less than 31 points since September. They have given up, in that span, over six games, they have given up three total touchdowns on defense. And the the average amount of... They were up by 31 um, 49, this was the 150 thing, the uh, 150 points <laughs> stat I was trying to reel, uh, reel off earlier. But they they have given up like no more than 31 points. And then I think the next one was against Florida State, they were by 49. And then the one against, uh, what is it, what is it, uh, Louisville, they were by 60 before they gave up a touchdown. So basically there hasn't been any point this year since September that Clemson fans have watched an opposing team score a touchdown and then been like, oh man, this is this is close. They were up by 31, 49, and 60 points. Jeez. That is crazy. I mean, that is like 
That is insane. And and when you, you know, like they've given up five total touchdowns in that span. Uh, two of them are on special teams. There's not a lot of weaknesses in this team. And Trevor Lawrence, man, as much as I argued with you about him taking over in a two-minute drill, he's been really impressive. And when you have, you know, Travis Etienne out of the backfield averaging like 8.6 yards a carry, that – that team, they are really good. They are really good. And I we thought both, their secondary would struggle, but they have not. We both just kind of tipped our hands as to what our, our picks for this game will be. We'll get to more of that later. But uh, let's let's go to the uh, Arkansas-Mizzou game that will be Friday. Um, how many references are we going to get to Cameron Curl <laughs> and Ryan Pulley? Their suspensions for fraternizing with members of the Mississippi State dance team before Saturday's game. Um the Arkansas defensive backs who will not be playing in this game. I think this gets referenced four and a half times. I, so I'll say under, but if Cameron Curl, one, because it's spelled with a K, doesn't transfer to Auburn after this season, or two, doesn't change uh, his nickname to Mr. Steal Your Curl, I'm oh. very, very upset with him. Dang. Shoot your shot, man. And good for y'all. Good for y'all. Uh, but I, was, I would say under because, I, I mean, I, I don't know. There's probably not going to be much else to talk about regardless, but I, I would say under. Quick quick take on this. Um, Chad Morris isn't doing this necessarily because he thinks that's a that's a fair punishment. Um, I, pr- he probably doesn't, but he's doing this to send a loud statement at the end of the year. Hey, this is my team. I'm still trying to win over the locker room. Yeah. I still want to make this seem like we're playing relevant football. This is just a, a talking point to try and basically establish his culture there. Whether you agree with it or not, it's him trying to make a statement and make an example of I will turn people. this car around. Yeah, basically he is that dad. How many flashback shots of Brett Bielema getting fired as he's walking <laughs> the off the field? field. <laughs> as he's walking off the field. How many shots are we going to get of that? I set the over-under at 1.5. I yeah I, I would say under I think it'll probably just be once I I hope the shots of Brett Bielema are, him just drunkenly walking into the stadium being like, what's up guys you miss me now. How are you, how are you doing now Chad, huh? We didn't talk about this the other day but we probably should have our idea for a Les Miles Brett Bielema reality TV show where they just eat lunch together once a week yeah. it can still happen let's let's not forget this. All he's got to do is bring Brett Bielema in as his defensive coordinator and bada-bing, bada-boom. I'm just saying. It oh, happens in lot. Lawrence. So let's let's Ugh, not forget that. Even yeah, though, as long as it's not in Lawrence, I don't... Brett Bielema is going to be the coach in waiting at Kansas State. He's going to take Bill Snyder's job. <laughs> and then Les Miles and Brett Bielema are actually going to be rivals. So we could still have the the afternoon... Well, I can't remember the name that we came up with for it, but Bielema and Les How Miles long eating lunch. Would, if you were the coach in waiting at Kansas State, what do you think the year... Would, like how many years would that be? Two In, until you took over. Two years for Bill Snyder. Two more years, like are we saying through the twenty twenty season? How how much longer do you think he's going to coach? That, it, this is probably already out there. He's probably already had some quote where he's been like, "Yeah, I'm coaching until you know through the end of the twenty nineteen season." But you can't do that because of recruiting. Right. Um, yeah, I'd say through through next year. He just signed a five year uh, extension. Yeah, you do that because of recruiting. Whatever, dude. I think he's going to be there at least until the year 2047. Um, Moving on to the next one. Kentucky-Louisville. Okay, so um, how many times are we going to hear the reference? Kentucky still has a lot to play for. I set the over. This is our highest over-under of any SEC game. I set it at 7.5. Yeah, um, I'm going to say over. 
I agree. Actually, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say under because they're going to blow Louisville out, and they'll be. I mean, they'll only say that a bunch like in the first quarter, or first half. No, and I think like you're to wrap it up. It's all the more reason to keep saying it after they've already gotten themselves a significant lead because you you reference why they came out and played that well. Kentucky still has a lot to play for, still had a lot to play for, and that's why they, they showed up ready to go for this one. They're going to be recapping this game in the middle of the fourth quarter when Louisville's like sitting there without a point. Louisville's so bad. They're so bad. Poor Louisville. Poor Bobby Petrino, man. What? Said nobody ever. Yeah. Um, all right. How many times are we going to see clips of these two teams scrapping in years past? Remember, we had the Lamar Jackson, Jordan Jones fight. Uh, that one was really, really interesting. Jordan Jones is, he's, he's a scary dude. I would not want to see him on a football field, that's for sure. Uh, these teams, the whole, uh, the whole like, interstate thing, they think, you know, the fans basically treat this like it's a basketball game, kind of, sort of, not really. Um, I, I set <laughs> the over-under. You backed, you backed off that statement pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, I, I set the over-under for uh, that at 3.5. I will say under um, just because, I, I mean, they're going to try to figure out some way to, to drum this up as like a big rivalry, like you said. But what I'm hoping for is not past clips, but a live, live clip. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, rivalry game fights are the best. Do you remember that one uh, with South Carolina and Clemson in 2004? No, I don't. Well, Clemson's like, when they get, okay, that's very honest. When Clemson came running down the hill, like they always do every game, South Carolina just stayed at the bottom, and they had like an all-out melee, like people taking off their helmets and swinging at people. Lou Holtz, like in the middle, like, stop, stop. It was, it was hilarious. I mean, it was not hilarious. It was dangerous. But um, I would love to see Cash Daniel get into it with somebody. Cash Daniel did apologize to the Kentucky fans. That, see uh, that for I, didn't like that. I didn't like that apology. I thought that he made a fair point. I think he's just trying to save face a little bit. I get it, whatever. I How hope many he times KOs somebody in this game? He probably will. I would not put that past him. How many overall references to no love lost <laughs> will we get through the entire scope of SEC rivalry games? Keep in mind, we got nine games. Uh, I'm going to change the over under on the fly here to. 63, so that's seven per game, an average. I'm glad you put a lot of thought into that because I know that we never keep up with the actual numbers. No, we don't. Um, I'm going to say over because the original line you said was 68 and a half and over would be 69, so I'll, I'll go with over. Nice. But like also, if they if they say this once in Vanderbilt, Tennessee, or, or like Mizzou, Arkansas, I'm, I'm going to lose it. I just, if, there, if there's a drinking game for no love lost during rivalry oh, week, thoughts and prayers to you and your liver. Um, let's talk about our good friends at Sweet Hop. So we talked about earlier, Rent Like a Champion is hooking us up. Sweet Hop, they can hook you guys up. We've talked to you about them before. Uh, remember the good old days of attending the game in the student section, the passion, the noise, the spilled drinks, and long lines in the bathroom? You do not need to do that anymore. Why? You got Sweet Hop. Thanks to Sweet Hop, you can make sitting in the rowdy section a fond memory. With the best access in Atlanta for luxury suites, Sweet Hop has insider access to the best suites at Mercedes-Benz Stadium for the SEC Championship. Get out and do that right now. You'll head right into the stadium where cold beer and catering are waiting for Ooh. you to enjoy. That sounds pretty good right about now. I know yeah, I always right say that. that. Well, it's, what, what? It's 1030 in the morning. What, so? <laughs> With the dogs and tied on the field, you'll be watching the big game in style. That is the sweet life, y'all. View availability and Pricing at sweethop.com slash SEC today. That's S-U-I-T-E hop. 
dot com slash sec that'd be pretty fun to do that'd be really yeah fun to do. that'd be awesome um so it is thanksgiving maybe you're listening to this on thanksgiving you're driving on the way to your rel- relative's house you're trying oh. to think of some talking points you know that prayers. you know that moment where it comes where um you everybody looks around and it's like let's share one thing that we're thankful for that's i mean i'd say family and and just you know friends and family you guys have been great if you want to be bold, everybody, everybody's going to say that. Nobody needs to repeat that. And you right. want some SEC things to be thankful for. I've got five. I've got five. Okay. Let's hear them. First one, obvious, Benny Snell. Snell, yeah. He's in our lives. He has made our lives better. He has made this season more entertaining from the outburst after after the loss, from you know the, the Snell, yeah, Heisman campaign. I think we can all agree that if Benny Snell stayed for his senior year at Kentucky, we would be better for it. <laughs> Fair point. Okay. Fair point. Um, next, and this is this one, even more obvious. It's Coach O. It's Ed Talks. It's the fact that on a weekly basis we get this character. Uh, maybe it's a clip of him telling his entire sideline to get back. Maybe it's him squirting water into his face. Maybe it's just <laughs> him talking about um, mimosas and brunch with Marler. Whatever it is. Coach O has provided so much more entertainment than we thought possible when he took over this job for Les Miles. One of the great characters of this league left. I don't think that we possibly thought that that Coach O could provide this level of entertainment, but he has. Yeah, without a doubt. It's been the best. Like That would yeah. probably be my number one. I don't want to like give away my, my list right now. Okay. Um, so number three. The uh, thing I'm most thankful for is it might mean too much stories that you guys provide me with on a, on a weekly basis. I do really appreciate those. It makes me a little bit, I don't want to say sentimental of the SEC, but it makes me appreciate y'all even more knowing that you are willing to share your crazy with me. I mean, we reached out on social media channels, and we'll get to this later, and it might mean too much, but you guys respond on Twitter, you respond on Instagram. We ask and you deliver on a weekly basis, and I appreciate that. I really do. Number two, the top 25 dominance of the SEC. It gives us stuff to talk about. Think about if we were talking about like the Pac-12 right now and how boring that would be uh, if we had basically one team that was, that was any good and the rest of this was just ooh. a complete and total disaster. Let's, let's think about how, how fortunate we are to talk about ranked teams on a weekly basis and There's no love s- lost out here when Cal and Utah get together. I'll tell you that much, brother. This is very true. Very true. Oof. Shout out Justin Wilcox. So uh, the number one thing I'm most thankful for, and you knew this was coming, um, <laughs> it's Joe Moorhead and the fact that whenever he addresses me on the SEC Coach Teleconference, he always addresses me by name. That is... <laughs> okay. All right, my five things that I am most thankful for... Um, let's see, five had, I would say memes and gifable moments from this year. Like there, I feel like there's been so many, they have them every year, but there's been so many this year with like the saving quote, like, so quit asking. And then anything from Orgeron, we come, we ain't backing down. Or the stuff with uh, Mullen, where he <laughs> that befuddled the dance. look on his face. Oh, that the befuddled was, look is good. Yeah, yeah. That was ridiculous. Um, number four. Feinbaum uh, and and him coming back on our podcast Good and point. remembering me by name, yep. which was really surprising because uh, obviously I left a, an impression on him, not necessarily a good one at all, but that was a that was a favorite of mine. Three, 
Tua, without a doubt, definitely Tua. Uh, that, that has been a lot of fun to watch. I will say that. Uh, quarterback play, though, in general in the SEC, I, I, I've really enjoyed like them being able to change that narrative of how there's no elite quarterbacks in the SEC. Now we got, like, hell, man, Kyle Shermer's, like, second in my weekly power rankings that change every day. So there's that. Easy to um, Yeah, Sorry, I, I won't say that again. Um, two, let's see here. I, I'm definitely going to say Coach O because Coach O has just been my favorite. <laughs> just like, he, he has been such, he's the gift that keeps on giving. He is fantastic. And I'm honestly, I'm thankful that he's done so well this year because I feel like he really, really deserves it, especially with all the, the, the stuff. Yeah, we don't want any hot seat talk for Coach O. Come on. No, and like, it's like all we heard here. about in the offseason. So, um, oh, shoot, I'm already down to one. I'm going to do one A and one B. One B is uh, gambling going well. It's been a lot of fun. I'll say that. Um, 1A, and I'm not just saying this to be sentimental because you guys know I hate cliches and all that good stuff. It is honestly our listeners and, and how much fun I've had like being able to go interact and engage with audience and fans in general, not just of us, but like in the SEC. Um, it's like with Twitter or Instagram or you know the five-star reviews and then even like at, at games like in person. It's been a lot of fun, and it really does mean a lot how supportive um, people have been it's because the internet's a mean place sometimes. It can and be a very mean place. It's been it's been really awesome to see how great uh, and supportive and and consistently interactive our, our audience has been. So, do you I notice really what I did? That. Do you notice what I did at the end there? That was a little Joe Moorhead alley oop for you to save that one for the end. <laughs> Left that one just to make sure that you 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 know give a shout out to all our listeners. We we do I'm just appreciate proud of you for not having more than one Joe Moorhead thing. Yeah, I, I whittled it down from like eight or nine. Um, Uncle Chris. Let's pick some rivalry rivalry week games. Sunshine Showdown Rivalry Week. Can't do it. Can't do it. So we are on a little bit of a hot streak here, boys and girls. I went 15 and 5 last week. Dang. Uh went 2-0 last night with some teasers and uh, took Western Michigan plus seven and a half. I figured I had to bet on some action because today is the first day in 23 days that we don't have football on. Sad day. Regardless, we have a bunch of football on this weekend, oh, yeah. so let's go over the lines and get your picks as well as mine. Uh, first off, the Egg Bowl on Thursday night, 7.30. Mississippi State is a 12-point favorite over Ole Miss. Connor, who you got? Mississippi State covers. Run the ball all over that that Ole Miss defense. Um, I know Ole Miss is, is still going to be trying to... They're still going to tr- show up for this one, and I think it stays close early on, but I think Mississippi State... The, they they wear him down with with the ground game. Eric Williams has a, has a big game. Nick Fitzgerald, the revenge game, all that stuff. They win this game by seventeen points. Yeah, so I am kind of in agreement with that. I like there's not a lot of stats that would show that um, that would support it necessarily. Uh, Mississippi State has n- not been great as a double digit favorite. Their offense has not been great. Uh, especially in conference play. Last week was, I think, going into last week, they were scoring 11.2 points per game in the conference. But I think, like we said, Nick Fitzgerald is going to absolutely, in my opinion, I think he's going to go off against this defense. And I think it's going to be one of those things where they don't take his foot off the, their foot off the gas. And this means a lot to him uh, as a senior and, of course, what happened last year. So I think Mississippi State wins and wins big. So I will take them to cover as well. Arkansas-Mizzou. Friday afternoon game. Um, 
It used to be my favorite Friday afternoon game, LSU-Arkansas. They've replaced it with Mizzou. Mizzou's a 23-point favorite. They're daring you to take Arkansas. They're daring you. But Drew Locke is going to throw the ball all over that Arkansas defense because they don't have two key members of their secondary because they were too worried about fraternizing with Mississippi State dance team members. So Drew Locke is going to allow Tigers to cover. And Dan the Jan Chavis is not going to have his best afternoon. Maybe if they weren't worried about finding the key to those girls' hearts instead of the key. Anyway. Um, yeah, I this one, I could not be more confused. I, I spent like 30 minutes going back and forth last night uh, over stats. That's a, that's a lot of time. It that's was way too time. much time. I was like, yeah. I looked up at the clock, or the clock, and I was like, what in the hell have I done for the past 30 minutes? Because I'm so confused by this. I mean, Arkansas is bad. They are 2-9. and nine. Mizzou... Uh, is 8-0 in their last eight games in November. They've looked really good as of late. I mean, 23 seems like a lot of points considering the, the past two games, over the, or the past two seasons, this game has been decided by seven points total. Um, I think Arkansas is pesky enough to score late. I, I think Mizzou will put up their points, but I think Arkansas can at least put up 17 or 20. Um, and they've been pretty good against the spread. So there is that. Uh, next game. Georgia Tech and Georgia. Georgia is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite at home. I think Georgia comes off, comes out firing in this game, and it ends up being a rough afternoon for a team that just runs the ball, runs the ball, runs the ball. Georgia wins this game by four touchdowns, make a big statement, continue what they've been doing uh, really the second half of the season, and this doesn't end up being a sleeper game at all. I think Kirby has them ready to go, no questions asked, and this is another significant victory against the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, I mean, that 17-and-a-half, it's such a weird line uh, with the hook. It kind of worries me. Um, I think the biggest thing anybody is going to want to see in this is just no injuries. But, yeah, Georgia Tech coming in, they've won their last four games, like I said, by at least 10 points apiece. But last week, like I told you all, I saw – Georgia Tech got a safety and injured Virginia's quarterback, and a backup quarterback wearing number 98 came in and promptly led them like on a three-play, like 85-yard drive. And if you are giving up touchdowns to a quarterback wearing number 98, that is a problem. I, uh, their pass defense is also not that great, so I think this will be pretty similar to last year. Um, not maybe 38-7, to but I will say Georgia wins by at least 21 uh, and covers the spread. Florida, Florida State, the sunshine, slippery, the arsonist had oddly shaped feet, rivalry. Did you say celebrity in there? Did you slip that Probably. in? Probably. I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> six and a half, six and a half seems like a lot, um, just given the fact that I, I, I'm still just not sold on Florida's offense from a week-to-week basis. I, I think that this ends up being a low-scoring game. I do. Um, yeah. I think Florida wins. I think Florida State covers. This ends up being like a 21 to, to 17 game where Florida State's offensive line is ultimately what costs them a chance to win this. So, first off, this should have been one of our prop bets is how many unsportsmanlike conduct penalties Felipe Franks is going to get in this game because over under 1.5. Yeah, it's, I'm I'm going over because the trash talk is going to be happening. So, I I agree with what you're saying. It's a rivalry game. It's it's a very fierce rivalry game. I know that Florida State's won five in a row, like we said, by like a lot of points, and they're fired up because they have that bowl streak on the line, and they're at home, all of that. But this is a defense, defense that's allowed an average of 42 points per game over their last four games. Uh, the offensive line is terrible. Um, 
it's I mean, again, how do you have Cam Akers and you and you average eighty six yards a game rushing the football? I don't think Florida is necessarily, you know, like a world beater or anything like that, but I think this is like an absolute gift of a line from Vegas, and I think Florida will cover. This is like my my pick of the week. Whoa. Yeah. Boom. Um, let's go to Tennessee and Vandy. Vandy is a three and a half point favorite over Tennessee. I've, I heard from so many Vandy people in the preseason when I predicted them to be a three-win team. And if they double that win total, um, I'm waiting for those people to resurface because they basically were resurfacing in the middle of that Notre Dame game, uh, yeah. which let's not forget, Vandy only lost that by five points, as we say every single time. <laughs> I think Tennessee wins this game, assuming Jared Garantano plays. Now, we, we, he's apparently he's trending in the right direction. There's optimism that he's going to be out there um, but I think that Tennessee, like I said, they have not had two duds in a row. I think they got their dud out of their system last week. I like Jeremy Pruitt's ability to adjust. I think Tennessee wins this game very, very close. But this ends up being uh, the Vols getting bragging rights back. They win and cover this game. So I had that picked as well, but here's what I'll say. Um, I, well, I just don't want to agree with you on every pick. So I'm going to say... Vandy wins and Tennessee will cover. T- Tennessee just does nothing that impresses me, and I and I don't really know how else to phrase that. Are we backing Garant- off Jared Garantano as your? No, Garantano's been great all year, but if he's banged up, I don't I don't know if Keller Chris can get it done. And 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 this game, I don't like, I don't understand how how you lose to Tennessee. I mean, I feel like losing to Tennessee is like losing a staring contest to like the dead guy from Weekend at Bernie's. It's like you're just. You don't really know what's going on. You're just like kind of staring at this lifeless body. Next thing you know, it's like, what just happened? How did I, how did I lose that? Um, I like Vandy, I guess. I'll take Vandy at home. Vandy has not won three in a row against Tennessee since 1926. Fun times. Yeah. But I, I just, just because you picked Tennessee, I'm going to take Vandy. So there's that. I'll buy it down to two and a half. Um, but I Because I, I, I think Tennessee will, will cover the three and a half. South Carolina at Clemson. Clemson's a 27-point favorite. Yeah, as we as we were talking about earlier, I think Clemson covers in this one. I don't, I don't think it's particularly close. I think South Carolina, the, the struggles against ranked teams continue in this one. Uh, Will Muschamp, I mean, that's just been that's been his thing throughout his career. Like he just has not had whatever whatever it takes, whether that's offensive line play to be able to hold up for four quarters. He's not had the quarterback play. I, I think this ends up being a really really rough day for South Carolina and Clemson gets after Jake Bentley and this ends up being you know one of those games that Clemson is up by like three touchdowns early in the second quarter and you're just like oh man this is this, this is not the way that you draw it up I, I'd be surprised if we saw South Carolina score a relevant touchdown in this one sorry Gamecock fans I think Clemson covers so I I again I'm not gonna back off the fact that I think Clemson's probably the best team in um, the country right now, but this is South Carolina offense. It's still averaging over 30 points per game. So I, I think they, I think Clemson wins. I just don't think it is by more than 27 points. I, I don't, I don't see them winning by four touchdowns. This isn't like a statement game for them. Yeah, they're at home, but I think this means a lot more to Will Muschamp. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And, in South Carolina, Jake Bentley's played really well, like down the stretch. Yes, yes. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take South Carolina um, to cover the spread at 27, but I still think Clemson wins. Uh, let's see, Kentucky at Louisville. Kentucky's a 17 and a half point favorite. 
I know I kind of said, I, I said in, when we were doing over-unders that I think Kentucky's going to be up significantly in the second half. But maybe, 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 just maybe, Louisville covers in this game. And here's why. You're playing in a rivalry game at the end of the season. you got nothing to lose. I'm not saying, I'm not, trust me, you're giving me a look like I, <laughs> like I just will let one loose and the entire room's got to clear out. Like you're disgusted well, with that's me. That's a stretch. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, go on, though. I think that Louisville can maybe hang within two touchdowns at Kentucky, just because you, you got guys that are playing for jobs next year. Yes, it's a it's a home it's a home game for Louisville. We've talked about how Kentucky has struggled to di- distance itself really from anyone. I mean, this you know last week they only won by eleven against Middle Tennessee. So, I reluctantly I realize that betting anything on Louisville seems like a horrible idea, but I think there's a pride factor at stake here, and Louisville ends up covering the spread. Um, I mean, there's definitely a pride factor at stake. I just don't think it's really going to matter as much. I'm going to throw out some numbers here. You tell me what they are. 35, 18, 21, 61, 31, and 42. The age of the women that Rick Pitino <laughs> no, okay, has off, been. Okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. No, that is, those are the, the um, difference in points uh, and the amount that Louisville has lost by in their last six games. It has got gotten worse uh, throughout the season. Even if you take the Kentucky or the Clemson game out where they lost by 61, they they have been very bad. And Petrino being fired, you lose by 42 at home last week to NC State. Um, you're losing by 21 to Wake Forest. I mean, they, they are giving up, they've given up over 50 points uh, an uncomfortable amount of times this season. I I like Kentucky. Even though that offense isn't that great, I think Kentucky just finishes strong and wears them out. So I would take Kentucky to cover. Poor Louisville, by the way. I mean, no, what? Just a year. Just like it was. It was thirteen or fourteen months ago that we were all talking about Louisville potentially pulling off this upset against Clemson, where Rick Pitino was wearing a skin tight jersey of Lamar Jackson on College Game Day, and my, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, th- yeah, yeah, and that whole game against Florida State when they won like sixty-three to ten or whatever. I mean, you look at it now, and they are, they're averaging 20, 20.6 points per game on offense and giving up 43 a game. That, I mean, that is not good. So I think, I think Kentucky rolls in that one. Uh, let's see. We have two more here. LSU at A&M. A&M is a three-point favorite. LSU's covering, right? I mean, LSU's winning. LSU's, LSU's winning. I think LSU is... Still the better team. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, this spread is, is surprising me. I know I've talked about Mike Elko a lot, and I think that you can't be one-dimensional necessarily against AM, even though I guess Mississippi State kind of was. But, um, yeah, I think this game still means a lot. Coach O playing up the, the respect card again, which seems weird for a team that's trying to go for its 10th win right. and potentially <clears throat> planning to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, LSU is ready to go on the road, and... Um, they get after Kellen Mond. Let's not forget that nobody's been sacked. Nobody in the SEC has been sacked more than Kellen Mond this year. This is still a loaded front seven that LSU is going to have. Uh, they're going to bring the pressure. I fully expect Dave Aranda to do, to do that. And Joe Burrow ends up having a nice win to cap off the regular season. So I really wish that we would disagree more. I'll say it again. Um, I know. I know. Looking at, at this game, like I again, shocked that they were uh, – it was even a pick at first and then now favored by three – that's, it could be one of those things where Vegas knows something I don't know. But I would still take Orgeron over Vegas at any point. Um, 
I mean, A&M's been one of the best teams in the country against the spread. They're 8-3 and three overall this season. They're 6-0 and oh at home. But when you look at the, the last seven games, last eight games uh, these two have played, and LSU's won seven in a row, LSU has been dominant. Um, they're winning by an average of two touchdowns, and they have been 7-1 against the spread. I just, Orgeron as an underdog has been, like, just lights money out. in the bank. I mean, yeah, it's, it's been lights out is the best way to put it. And, when you again, when you take away the, like, the losses um, to, what is it, to Bama, He's and his Florida, record yeah. against ranked teams. Yeah, his record against ranked teams. He's he's been fantastic. So I think I think they win. Um, I don't know if they win big, but I, I think they win by seven at least in cover. So last but not least, the game we will be at Auburn at Alabama. Auburn is a twenty-four and a half point underdog. What do you got? Bama covers. Bama gets going early. This ends up being a game where we're reminded just how frustrating the Auburn offense is when. Alabama pretty much has this snuffed out by like the start of the second quarter, and all of a sudden Auburn can't move the ball down the field. I think we see Tua have a, I don't want to call it a bounce-back game because he did against the Citadel, but a bounce-back game in SEC play at least, where he gets feeling good again, the knee stays healthy, they keep him protected. That's still obviously priority number one in this game. Right. And I think they go into the SEC championship coming off a very convincing win, maybe let's say 31 points, like, I mean, 45-14, I don't think is that crazy. So this one's tough because, like I said earlier, um, Bama is 6-1 and one against the spread in games they are favored by 25 points or less this season. I 24 and a half is a lot. And so for me, it's like, I think the over-under is at uh, 50, let me see here, 52. So if you're going to tell me that Bama can win 38-13, to 13, I don't think that's out of the question. That's a lot of points to score on this Auburn defense, though. I don't think that Auburn's offense gets a lot going. I think this is one of those things where Gus pulls out every single trick he has, you know, double reverse passes, onside kicks, actually attempting to throw the ball downfield and utilizing Jared Siddham's uh, talents. I don't know. But I just I think that Bama is out to prove a point after, after kind of looking not great last week, and I think they come out on fire and, and win big. So... That is your week twelve or week thirteen robbery games. Uh, moving on to fourth and wrong, <clears throat> we only have uh, three this week. The first one is from DC Carter twenty ten and JG Mason seventy five. It's pretty much the same question, so I threw them both in there. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? And what is the best movie trilogy to binge watch during the holidays? I'm gonna show myself out before I even answer this question because you're oh, already God. mad at me. I know. I haven't seen Die Hard. Oh my god! It's just one of those movies that's always escaped me. I, I I didn't grow up with, I didn't grow up in a in a household that particularly cared for action movies, and I realized that Connor, that's not an excuse, but that's my excuse. Let me tell you something about excuses. First off, they're like, never mind. I'm not gonna say that out loud. But I grew up with a single mom, and we had like the we only had four movies, and one of them was Beaches. Well, I would argue that that gives you that gives you more freedom than to watch what you actually want to watch. And I'm I was the youngest in my household. I'm not gonna you know. I don't know how you took that from what I said, but what I mean, if you you first off, as soon as we get off this podcast, go watch Die Hard because that's that's the most disappointing thing you said all year. Yeah, I um, that. Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie. It's awesome, and and one and two, oh man, they're the best. I like honestly, I think I might like two even better. Three kind of sucks. Anyway, moving on, um, from. ZJ Whitaker on Instagram. He wait, says, wait, wait. We did uh, the second part of that was best movie trilogy <clears throat> to binge watch. Yeah, it's Die Hard. Oh, I was going to say Home Alone, but 
I guess that's Home not really a trilogy well, yeah. because one and two, <clears throat> three no, is three doesn't count. Three's not bad. Uh, three's bad. Okay, whatever. Um, favorite Thanksgiving side dish: Z J Whitaker on Instagram. I feel like we already did this one. Well, did we? Connor, we didn't have a lot of uh, submissions this week because we had an early broadcast. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm a big green bean casserole guy. Yeah, same um, here. No problem with that. I, green bean casserole, mashed potatoes. Those are those are money in the bank. I can't believe you called me out for apparently asking the same question after you just said you've never seen Die Hard. Anyway, I know. I last right question from Don't Throw Up, which is the best handle ever. Um, vanity plates, yes or no? And she spelled or he spelled yes. Y three five. Uh huh. As one does. Yeah. Uh, so what's a vanity plate? What is who are what is going on with you today? A vanity plate, like where you spell out your like your license plate on your car that says something cool, like destiny. I never heard it called a vanity plate before. That's exactly That's what it's called. Oh. You got a lot of good ones in Atlanta, I'll tell you that much. I'm okay with that. Um, my, my mom has always done, my mom's always had Schlee One on, don't go looking for my mom's car, you won't find it. Um, what? But she's always had Schlee One on the back of hers, and it's, it's nice because you can recognize it in the parking lot. Uh, but other than that. So is I mean, that a vanity plate? I mean, she kind of she puts her nickname on the back on her license plate. So is your mom what? has a vanity plate, but you didn't know what a vanity plate was. I've never heard it called a vanity plate before. No. Okay. All right. Well, this has been a not a, this has not been a good fourth and wrong. I'm gonna say yes, but if it's funny, not like an obnoxious one. Like, don't put like the too blessed. I, I that one's my my least favorite. Um, I was uh I was going to the gym, sick brag, and um there was we were following a car and it had Mr. Hanky. Like Mr. Hanky, the Christmas poo from South Park. Yeah. The guy gets out of the car and we're like, who in the world, like what adult would yeah. have that on their license plate? And this guy was like probably mid thirties, um, not in the best shape. I mean, not to, you know, call out this guy, but maybe he was Mr. Hanky because he was the Oh, uh, I see. Um, but it's still at what point do you get to where you say, you know what? Going into a job interview, going anywhere, like with a human being that's of <laughs> That's your age. I just think that that's like I don't know. Whatever. Well, luckily they don't have that on the uh, the interview process or resume. Um, I think I almost got one in college because we used to love the movie Friday. We always go to the crag, and I was going to get C R A and then A I G, um, and decided that was stupid. And so instead, I got Prodigal Son tattooed on my arm like an idiot. So anyway, speaking of bad decisions, it is time for it might mean too much. Take it away, Connor. Yeah, so uh, thank you for everybody who responded on Twitter, on Instagram, uh, all over the place. You guys are tremendous. I, I do appreciate these rivalry week editions of It Might Mean Too Much. Uh, we got a, I think I put 11 in this, in this story that's going to come out on Friday. I'm not going to get to all of them, but I'll get to as many as I can here. So uh, one of these is uh, from Carolyn Drover, uh, Kentucky fan, um, uh, Twitter handle, at C underscore Drover. Uh, so two years ago, I was leaving Cardinal Stadium after the 41 to 38 game, uh, and a guy started yelling at me that they let Kentucky win be because they wanted to save Stoops' job. Uh, I told him, sorry about your Heisman, and booked it. Dude started yelling and swinging randomly and started a fight in the middle of Floyd Street. When smack talk turns into an actual smack, that's what we call that. Yeah. 
This one uh, from Clean Old Fashioned Hate. Uh, it, this is from uh, Jen Carmel Apple Season. That's an interesting <laughs> handle. Uh, That's a sick vanity plate. Yeah. Uh, this person responded to you. Uh, said, I'm a UGA grad who dated a Georgia Tech grad. He thought it was a good idea to go to the game together. He was so mad that Tech was getting beat. He left at halftime and went back to the tailgate without telling me. We broke up. <laughs> I've left. I've left somebody at like a, a music festival because I was over it. But like, if you're a tech fan going to the the George game and you're upset they lost, like, what were your expectations? Exactly. In? Exactly. That's my biggest question with that. Oh, speaking of speaking of tech and uh, speaking of tech and UGA, did you see uh, the back and forth that they had on Twitter where UGA Alumni Association basically like was trying to troll Georgia Tech and saying uh, it was an Ariana Grande tweet that oh, she yeah. said shh. <laughs> And then um, basically, you know, long story short, Georgia Tech did not appreciate being called out um, because Georgia had said, like, I'm a rambling wreck from Georgia Tech. And, yeah, used the Ariana Grande tweet. That was a bad way to explain that. But and then Georgia Tech tweeted at the UGA Alumni Association a GIF of 2nd and 26, to which Georgia responded with pretty savage response from a school that didn't even make it to a bowl game last year. Boom. That's a That's perfect transition there, Connor, because we have an announcement. Big announcement. About the uh, Atlanta Metro, or Metro Atlanta alumni chapter for UGA. And that is in, I guess what, a week and a half now, November 30th. Make sure um, if you are in Atlanta for the SEC championship game, we are doing a little happy hour, get together, meet up, uh, whatever you want to call it at Sports and Social at the Battery in Atlanta from 6 to 9 p.m. So the Friday night before the SEC Championship game, we will be, Connor and I will both be uh, live in attendance, doing a Q&A, doing some giveaways. We've got a lot of free stuff we're going to be throwing y'all's way, uh, talking about the big game and, uh, and hanging out and just talking some football. So make sure you guys head on up there. It should be a lot of fun. I mean, it's just happy hour in football. It's like, yeah, that's, that's a dream come true. So we would love to see y'all there. Uh, again, November 30th, uh, Friday night at the Battery in Atlanta uh, from 6 to 9 p.m. Definitely go do that. Make sure that you come up to us, troll us about, uh, troll me about Mississippi State, troll Marler about, I don't know, you got a lot of things. Mizzou, second place in the division. Um, uh, know, just... Okay, that's actually probably one of my better takes. Move on. Anyway, we got one five-star review to get to today. Uh, this is from uh, at NH underscore Gator underscore Guy. Uh, subject... It's pronounced LaMichael. Um, yeah, which, as we all know, uh, had a little brain fart. Um, so this says, this is quickly becoming my favorite podcast. Uh, when I need to come up for air from the Florida Gator echo chamber, these guys never disappoint. They are funny and informative in their coverage of the SEC, and clearly it just means more to them. If you're having trouble pronouncing player names such as LaMichael P. Ryan, Connor, or <laughs> I can't Con even pronounce air. that sentence right. Uh, such as LaMichael P. Ryan, Connor can help you out. Chris's special effects are on point with fire alarms and sirens. That's very true. I love the interviews with Coach O, but perhaps he should be more focused on coaching and less focused on Sunday brunch. Great podcast, guys. Keep it up. Also, my mother's maiden name is Marler. Sick brag. That dude just nailed <laughs> everything about our entire podcast. That was yeah, fantastic. That, that pretty much summed everything up. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. Uh, make sure that you are following us uh, on Twitter at, at SDS, at CMarlerSDS, at the SDS pod, at CGO Guerra, uh, Instagram, at SDS. Watch Facebook Live. Watch, watch Uncle Marler make you all the money in the world. He's going to talk gambling with you on Saturday morning from Live Tuscaloosa, from right? Tuscaloosa. Definitely going to want to check that out. You are on a heater right now. 
Make sure that you are uh, following along for all things that we're going to be doing with Rent Like a Champion this weekend. And like I said, and like we talked about, um, make your plans to go to uh, go see us uh, in Atlanta a week from Friday. It's going to be awesome. Definitely make sure that you come out and do that. So uh, make sure that you enjoy Thanksgiving as well. By the way, eat a lot of turkey, watch a lot of football. It's the American way. <laughs> Thanks a lot, guys. Uh, we will talk to you on Sunday.